The following program is a podcast1.com production. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Clark.com is our website. If you like saving money, you want to check out ClarkDeals.com. Coming up in 20 minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, yet another peddler of dietary supplements and herbal remedies is being fined, being called out for lying about the supposedly miraculous cures that will come your way from taking their herbal remedies and dietary supplements. This is an area you need to be so careful with. I'm going to talk about it in just 20 And later this hour, there's new data about how many data breaches there have already been this year. I mean, here we are, not even a fourth of the way through the year, and we already have a massive number of breaches where your personal information has been compromised. I had to talk about what you need to do to be on your guard against somebody pretending to be you. We are in, over this year and next year, the greatest year of change in television, perhaps in the last 25. Because this is the year that how you get TV is going to emerge as a completely different option. And... As a result of that, what you pay is likely to change, and what you get is going to change as well, because people are racing to market with what are known as over-the-top skinny bundles. So let me translate that into English. Over-the-top means you don't get it from the cable company or the satellite company. You get it over your internet connection, whoever you get that from, over your phone, from the cable company, from a phone company, whatever. More and more in the future, people will get internet from satellite companies. But regardless, you will get your programming package from whomever you wish. The first two efforts so far have been somewhat limited in how applicable they've been for people from Dish Network that has Sling.com, and then DirecTV Now from AT&T. But they're about to be met by enormous competition in the marketplace, and nobody knows whether the one that I'm really excited about, YouTube TV, that's going to be 35 a month with six accounts available, unlimited DVR capability, the ability to watch on any device anywhere to watch your programming, live programming and DVR, or if it's going to be Hulu's new streaming product that's going to be way beyond the Hulu we think of now, it'll give you live channels plus all the Hulu content that is available basically on your schedule. And they haven't announced what they're going to do about DVR. But 
we are going to have, uh, perhaps before the shakeout occurs, somewhere between 12 and 15 different efforts trying to sell you your pay TV programming package, with the price points typically being between 20 and $60 a month. Now, that's significant because depending on who you, whose numbers you trust, the typical pay TV package is somewhere in the 90s per month to over 100 per month, but somewhere in that general range. So you think about right now, let's say the average family is spending $1,200 a year for pay TV, and with the new products coming in the marketplace, you'll pay from roughly 240 to 720 a year, but most people will be somewhere around $400 a year. So you think about going from 1200 a year to 400 a year, that's $800 back in your pocket in round numbers. 800 That's huge money. When you think about one in four American families don't have $100 available for an emergency, being able to put $800 back in your wallet every year is meaningful money. But with it, the reason these things are usually referred to as skinny bundles is you don't get 200 channels anymore. With the typical one of these things, you'll get somewhere between 30 and 60 channels. Now, that may sound like a lot less than 200, but do you know almost all viewing of pay TV channels is done on just 10 channels? I'm going to hit you with this is something Wall Street Journal put together a list. These are the, the 10 that account for almost all viewing. Fox News... ESPN, USA, Hallmark, CNN, Food Network, TNT, TLC, MTV, and True TV. That was 10, wasn't it? 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yes, that was 10. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I can't count to 10. And... So most individuals have a small number of channels that account for almost all their viewing. Now, remember, I didn't talk about ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Not Fox News, but Fox, the broadcast channel. These streaming products all tend to have all of those except CBS. CBS has been the hard one to get, although YouTube TV has signed CBS. But the point is that there may be something that you have a favorite show that you like to watch occasionally that may not be in a skinny bundle that you're looking at. But the skinny bundles are not going to all be the same what they offer. If you look at Sling.com and see what they offer, you'll see they offer different program packages that get you a different mix of the pay TV channels. The thing I want to encourage you to do is to avoid signing any contracts right now for pay TV subscriptions. 
you're going to see a push from the pay TV providers to try to get you to sign contracts. Just This is the same exact warning I started giving three years ago about the cell phone companies. When it became clear to me we were going to go into a big price war for cell phone service, and that's why the cell phone companies were pushing contracts so hard in 2014 and 2015 to try to lock you down and keep you their prisoner and away from the much lower prices that were on the horizon. If you stayed a free agent, you've been able to take advantage of all those cuts in cell phone prices. Well, now we're about to have that again with pay TV. So unless somebody offers you a deal that's so unbelievably cheap that it's worth you signing a contract, don't do it. And bide your time and then be willing to be experimental with the new TV offerings that are coming because the way you watch TV, I guarantee you, I guarantee it, is going to be so much better and cheaper looking forward than how we have it now. It's not even close. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hey, Clark. David, you're getting married. I am. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Uh, June 3rd, uh, almost here. (laughs) Great. Well, uh, another June wedding. You know, the the people in the wedding business get overwhelmed every June. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Well, how can I be of service um, to you? Well, uh... As uh, um, as the advice of any marriage counselor, I think uh, we're you know they they tell us that you know it's important that we join bank accounts and uh, and I currently bank with one of the biggest uh, uh, banks and uh, and so basically you know we both use direct deposit we use uh, our debit cards and credit cards for. I would say 99% of all of our purchases, and then, you know, what what we do put on a credit card, we immediately pay off. But um, we, we're we just right now, since we are going to be um, joining a bank account, we want to find the best bank that's going to be for us. And uh, whether it is with a major bank or something small, you know, um, we just, we want to have that online banking option. We still want to have the option to be able to write checks if need be, still be able to get cash from an ATM that's not going to, you know, hurt us with the, the ATM costs and, you know, th- those sorts of things is what we're, what we're looking for. So I got several things to say. Number one, I normally don't recommend that you merge all your finances right away. Okay. What I tend to like for a couple to do, and I should ask first, how old are you and your bride-to-be? I'm 30, and she's uh, 29. Okay, so you've been out in the world for a while. That's especially when I don't like for a couple to merge everything, especially not at the very beginning. I think there's an enormous advantage in having his accounts, her accounts, and their account. That You have a household okay. account where you take care of the household expenses like rent or mortgage, 
uh, utilities, anything that is a uh, obviously an expense of life living together, and then that you each continue to have your own separate accounts as well, and you agree okay. up front how much each of you will put into the joint operating account. Because people come into a marriage with different ideas about money, and I don't want you to be in a position where you assume one thing about her, she assumes something about you, and then it becomes a flashpoint for disagreement about how each of you set your values with money and priorities. Okay. Over time, you may find that becomes unnecessary and you completely merge everything. Right. But I think at first, it's best to have his, hers, theirs. Okay. Now, as far as, as where I like for you to look at putting money, uh, do either of you do much investing? Uh, I believe, uh, you know, we uh, both uh, work for the state. So we uh, we you know, we invest in the retirement system, um, and but you don't you don't have like an investment account with a stock brokerage or anything like that. No, no. Okay, no, no. Because that's my first go to is usually the best um, accounts for checking and for ATMs and all that are with the stockbrokers. But if that's not part of okay. your life and your state employees, I would like you to look at doing your joint household account with the credit union available to you in your state okay. as state employees. Okay. Because credit unions are owned by, if you open an account, it'll be owned by you and your bride-to-be. You know, you're, you're an owner of the place, so they're not trying to rip you off. They're not trying to con you, and they're going to offer you legit, straight-up deals at the credit union. And you may have an office or offices right near the state facilities you work at okay so that would be my favorite and over time you'll know when it's the right time for you to um, jettison having any separate account of yours her having any separate account of hers okay yeah and it's usually really advised that you keep each keep your own account if you have really different ideas about consumption you know i mean if one of you really loves to shop and the other would be happy never to walk in a store is that either of your deals oh absolutely i mean we uh uh i'm more of the saver she's more of the spender (laughs) so then i would say for longer than you might imagine it will make sense for you to have the separate accounts but congratulations on your life starting together on june 3rd Most of us have a don't-ask-don't-tell relationship with our doctor about herbal remedies and dietary supplements that we take, and that is a great harm to you that you and your doctor don't discuss this. We're left in a wide-open space that a lot of people exploit with false claims about how they're going to improve your health. It's today's Clark Rageous Moment. Rip-offs. Outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. Yet another peddler of dietary supplements, herbal remedies, has been shut down this time by the FDA. Why? Because they were claiming that their various products 
would solve cholesterol problems, eliminate high blood pressure, cure diabetes, um, eliminate depression, even eliminate all muscle pain. And you've seen them on the internet. You see the ads on uh, on television about how all these herbal remedies are the miracle cure for you and the dietary supplements. You need to know that anybody's allowed to claim pretty much anything till later proven that they shouldn't be saying it. So in the meantime, they can sell stuff that may harm you and may not have anything to do with what they are claiming they'll be able to take care of. This is where discussing an herbal remedy or a dietary supplement with your doctor before you start taking it is key to your health. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. Our web address, obviously, Clark.com. And Paul is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Paul. Hello, Clark. How what are you doing? It is to talk with you. Well, great to have you here. You are you. one of the, is it half billion people who were affected by the Yahoo breach? Yeah, just a small pool of folks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, so I have a multi-part question uh, concerning that, Clark, but just a little personal editorial here before uh, I get to that. I want to thank you for years' worth of, uh, of sound advice, counsel, um, honesty, and you know all the debunking uh, acumen that you've uh, passed along. So I've saved a lot of money in uh in listening to you and that little jingle that comes on signals something positive to me so thank you well thank you for all that okay regarding the yahoo uh breach um i've changed my password um i i heard somewhere that uh yahoo was not now completely forwarding emails to new carriers so I didn't know whether it was safe to stay with Yahoo after 25 years, by the way. And I've really never had another email carrier, so I don't really know how to uh, the advantages of one over the other. I've always thought Yahoo was okay. Well, Yahoo, that, Yahoo is going through a midlife crisis. Yahoo's yeah. having a tough time. You know, um, 
the ownership of Yahoo is going to be split up. There's a lot going on there, and they have lost focus. So and 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 Yahoo lost money as a result of this with that takeover. I understand the the, the price has gone down some. Right, right. They're getting a lot less money from Verizon for the parts of Yahoo that Verizon's buying. So I have recommended that people do steadily migrate their email. And most of us have a small number of people who account for a lot of the emails we send and receive. So you can yeah. just um, start emailing people from your new email address, whatever that would be, if it's Gmail or whatever you decide to use, and you always put at the bottom of it, uh, this is my new email address, please use this when you want to communicate with me forward. And as far as the forwarding, Yahoo did suspend forwarding people's emails to new email services, but now is forwarding them again. They claim that it was a technical problem that they had that kept them from being able to forward emails that they have solved. Who knows if it was a marketing decision that kind of blew up on them or if it really was a technical issue, but you can set up a new email address and have your Yahoo mail forwarded to that automatically. That's good to know, Clark. Now... Uh, in your experience, you mentioned Gmail. Is there are there any other email services that you recommend that have a good reputation, good security, and and all of that? Hmm. I don't know. You know, Gmail's becoming so dominant. Microsoft would love for you to use their Outlook dot com is okay. what they call their email service. It's also free and. Uh, email has become generally less important to people. I don't even get many questions about email anymore. Well, you know, it's funny, uh, Clark, because you're talking to a Depression-era thinking guy with you know, value for the buck who, at the top of the hour, when you talked about all of those TV stations and, and all, I, I have all the stations I can handle. They come in beautifully with the $50 antenna that I put up on, on my roof. <laughs> Good for yeah, you. So, yeah, oh, and so, by the way, um, our producer, Joel, is like, why didn't I mention Proton Mail? I'm going to mention Proton Mail again. Okay. I've mentioned it before. Proton Mail is the email service that people that are into privacy and security really love. Okay. You check out protonmail.com. Okay. And it um, works for Androids, iPhones, and then at a traditional computer. All right. So here's the thing about Yahoo we have to address, okay? Okay. When Yahoo was breached, the criminals captured all that information, and if you used or used, yeah, used before the same password on Yahoo as you use everywhere else, that's where the greatest risk stands for you. Fortunately, I did not do that. Okay. So for you, there's not as much of a time bomb ticking with criminals trying to get in your bank account or brokerage account or mutual fund account or anything like that, and that's great. So as far as what else you have to worry about with the Yahoo breach, I think you've done what you need to do. I mean, if there's, unless there's a lot of personally identifiable information in emails you have where a criminal could take over your identity, 
based on what's there, you have done the necessary steps. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to look into Gmail, Outlook, and ProtonMail as alternatives. Going forward, though, your your gut feeling just says not to stick with Yahoo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to kick someone when they're down, but Yahoo has lost its relevance in the marketplace. They lost their focus and lost their relevance. And you know, in the tech world, tech world's pretty unforgiving. You know, you you lose your initiative and you lose your market position. And that's why it's time for people to move on from Yahoo Mail. And, Paul, I do want to point out that Yahoo is not an isolated incident. There's a new report out today from the Identity Theft Resource Center that says there have already been 312 major data breaches this year. And already... Well over a million people have had their personal information exposed again. And where most often? Most often, medical. Medical continues to account for the overwhelming share of breaches occurring in the country. In fact, of the people who were exposed here, 6 out of 10 have had their personal information exposed through medical offices having their databases breached. And hackers love breaking into medical records because there's such deep information there, like social security numbers, addresses, dates of birth, mother's maiden name a lot of times, so many things where a criminal can engage in full-blown identity theft. And so what I want you to consider is something that, I talk about like shorthand on the show, and that is if you have not done a security freeze, a credit freeze, please consider doing one because you never know where lurking out there is someone with your key personal information is going to try to make your life miserable by establishing a false identity as if they're you. Credit freezes are very easy to set up. You can do it online. Takes just a couple of minutes per bureau. Very cheap to establish. And I have a credit freeze guide at Clark.com. The rules are set by each state on how a credit freeze works. So you're very easily able to see how to set one up in your state. So please consider doing that because the data breach problem continues And nobody seems, other than, ironically enough, as I told you the other day, the IRS is getting identity theft under control. Other people aren't, particularly the medical industry. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hello. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you. You want to talk about your credit card. What's happening? Well... Uh received a letter recently about the credit card being canceled due to inactivity, which is true. We haven't used it in quite a time, in some time. But my concern was, you know, we're always trying to protect our credit score. So is it better that I cancel it myself in advance or just let the course of cancellation take place 
with a credit card company because it becomes a wash. It'll make no difference whether you can that card or the credit card company does, but they probably offered you the option if you use the card in the next few weeks that they would not cancel it due to inactivity. Was that an offer they made? Actually, it was just the opposite. They said use of the card would make no difference whatsoever, which kind of surprised me. They want rid of you. Apparently so. All right. So before they close it, we need to talk. How many credit cards, and when I say credit cards, I don't mean trash ones like um, store cards. How many real Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, real credit cards do you have? I have two. Hmm. And is this one of those two? Well, this would be a third, but again, I don't consider it valid because I don't use it. I I guess I should explain that we use this. It was a 12-month same as cash, so basically using their money for free on a couple projects a few years ago. So this was a store card? Uh, This was actually a major bank card. Oh, it was. All right. So Mm -hmm. how much of the, the credit lines that you have on the two cards you have do you tend to use in a month? Well, the, the two active ones we have, we use, we charge everything and pay everything off at the end of the month, and they're both cashback cards. Okay, so do you know what the credit limits are on each of them? They're upwards of ten to $15,000. And you say you charge everything on them. What kind of balance do you, before you pay it off, do you run up on each of those cards? I'm going to say in the neighborhood of probably 3000 or 4000 between both. Okay, so your your what's known as your credit utilization is some months comes close to 30%. Okay. I would like for you to get one more card before this other one cancels on you. Okay. And now's a great time for you to shop to get a third card. Because one of the things that's a key factor in how your credit score is computed accounts for roughly a third of your score is how much of your available credit you're using. So when that third card falls out of the picture, it will make it look like you're using more of your available credit, which could uh, pinch your score to lower it significantly depending so, and that's what I was worried about, right? So that's why I'd go get a third card. And you may find today there's better cashback cards than the two you have already, and it'd be time mm-hmm. for you to look at a third one. The best cashback cards now pay 2% flat rate on everything. Okay. How much are you earning right now? Well, on one card, I know it's 1%, and then on the other, it's a flat 1.5%. Well, then this is a perfect time for you to get a third card. And there's two choices right now with the 2% cash back. One is from Citibank. That's the City Double Cash card. And it's a 2% card. And then Fidelity Investments. Do you happen to have any accounts at Fidelity Investments? Do not. Okay. So Fidelity, for people who do has a 2% card product, 2% cash back on everything. So in your case, probably applying for the city double cash would be the right thing to do. I will do that. You say that's the Citibank double Citibank cash. Citibank double card. cash. And, uh, okay. and so you'll get, you get, 
it's really they do something very gimmicky. They say you get one percent cash back when you charge something. You get one percent cash back when you pay your bill. But since you mm-hmm. pay net, it just means you're getting two percent cash back. Right. Gotcha. And then you'll find you'll want to use that obviously instead of the one percent cash back card you have, oh, and probably instead of the one and a half. Why not absolutely. earn two percent? That's right. Because the more, the merrier. And if you haven't heard me say this, what John and I are talking about is so key for you. There's an all-out market share war going on right now among credit card issuers trying to lure people in that charge significant volume like you do, John. And so this is the time for you to go shop your credit cards. The easiest tool to shop them is credit card tune-up. Daniel's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Daniel, you are in such a great situation. You have surplus cash every month? Yes, sir. Good job. So So you're just living on less than what you make? uh, Yes. I'm I'm almost 50, and I'm, I'm looking to set up some kind of strategy for a retirement. Um, I am contributing to my 401k at work. And what percent are you contributing to it? 5%. Okay, so that would be a place immediately you could look at boosting that by a big number. Okay. How much surplus cash do you have a month? I'm uh, just uh, offhand, I'm going to say 2000 You have 2000 surplus dollars a month? Yes. So you want to be able to retire and retire in comfort. Correct. So take My your choice. 401k at work up to the max. I mean, how much would you be contributing extra per month if you took it to the max? To the max, I think I believe I can go up to 15%. And so, so how would that translate? I'm guessing another $1,000. Great. Maybe so, a little bit more. So do that. Take that all the way to the ceiling. Okay. And when you turn 50, you're then able to increase your 401k again. That's the easiest, smartest way for you to boost. Now, the other money you have that's still left over, you can establish a Roth IRA, which is uh, works kind of the opposite of a 401k and be great for you to have. Okay. And you can and what put is that called? Roth, R-O-T-H, IRA. Okay. Okay. And so a Roth, you can put... Uh, up to age 50, you can put 5500 a year in it. 50 and over, you can put 6500 a year in it. And so you do that through your 50s where you max out your 401k and you max out your Roth. It would completely change what kind of retirement you would have when you decide to bag work. And okay. I'd encourage you to go look at clark.com at my investment guide i have some very simple strategies that in 10 minutes i can get you on your way funding your roth ira and a very low cost choice and get that going and then with your employer boost that 401k contribution and you're going to make a massive difference with those two moves and what kind of future you have when you are done with work good for you You know, if you're looking to buy paper towels or a can of beans, knowing what other people paid for them isn't really that important. Paper towels, it's beans. But for a big purchase, like a car, 
That kind of information isn't just helpful, it's essential. Well, with TrueCar, you can do just that. You see, TrueCar lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you're looking to buy, which will help you determine a fair price. And the best part? You can work directly with a TrueCar certified dealer to establish a fair price before you even show up on the lot. Yeah, that's right. TrueCar certified dealers have all the same information you do and are just there to help you get the car you want while offering you a faster, easier buying experience. Who doesn't want that? And knowing what others have paid has helped TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that car, there's only one place to go. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You can get it at TrueCar.com or the super easy to use TrueCar app. Some features not available in all states. So great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I hope you learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a half hour, we're going to talk about what banks are starting to do to try to reduce the amount of funny stuff that goes on with people stealing money from your bank account and how interesting this is that last hour I was talking about how the data breaches keep coming on. Technology being used to defeat technology is what we're going to be about as we try to shut down so much of the fraud that takes place. And I'm going to fill you in on one of the moves again in just a half hour. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. If you have a question and you don't necessarily want to talk to me, you can still get your question answered by talking with a member of our team. We offer free off-the-air advice nine hours every weekday. And you can see how to get that free off-the-air advice. We've been doing this now just short of 25 years, giving advice off the air for free. If you go to Clark.com, move down the front screen, you'll see how to get that free off-the-air advice. So something that I've had calls all through the 30 years I've been on the air concern questions with duct cleaning. People will be so curious, is it something you should be doing? How do you find a company? What do you do when you're looking to maybe improve the air quality in your home? Well, as far as whether having the ducts in your home cleaned out, that is something that people who look at it as as third-party neutrals are not totally swayed that it's something you should do. It's not a slam dunk for you to have the ducts in your home cleaned. But it's something that a lot of people do spend the money on. And it's an area that has long been subject to, well, fly-by-nights. So you need to be very, very careful when you hire someone. It's one of the biggest ripoffs in the marketplace with people who don't have any idea what they're doing but, in fact, get you to have your ductwork cleaned by them pretending they're doing something, making a lot of noise with machinery, but making no real difference 
in your health, in your life, and in your home. Now, you can try to find a legitimate company by going to a website of the industry, a trade association for the industry, where you can get referral to people who have stood the test of time doing duct cleaning. But again, don't feel a sense of urgency to spend the money. Don't believe with certainty that this is going to improve your health and the air in your home. There are people who believe in it backwards and forwards, inside out. But again, the science on this is not convincing or compelling. And someone can come in as a salesperson and terrify you about the debris that is at the bottom of a duct in your home and say, think about it. You're breathing that stuff in. And you're like, stop it. Stop the horror. Where do I sign? Take a deep breath. Chill. If you do decide to have the work done, make sure you get multiple estimates from legit people. And remember, I've got a hyperlink where you can see companies that are on the up and up. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll do a great job. It just improves the odds they will. And we have a story slugged or headlined on Clark.com. What you don't know about air duct cleaning can hurt you. How's that? And you can go read how to make the right decisions on that. Lady is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. How can I serve you? Well, thank you so much for taking my call. I've been listening to your show for a long time. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. So I'm 24 years old, and... I um, I don't have any debt other than my mortgage. I am pregnant, and I make about forty five a year. And my question is in regards to my brother. He is autistic, and there's really no um, cushion for him um, going forward into the future. If my parents died, um, or if anything were to happen to them, there's nothing that he could fall back on. Um, my parents do have their house paid off and something we were thinking about is possibly leasing that house and have him live off that income. And so that was kind of one of my questions is what is... Wow, how interesting. So uh, if your parents were to pass away and they own the home free and clear and you're trying to come up with how are you going to have enough money to support your young brother... um, you are a real sweetheart to be part of trying to come up with the solutions for this. Good for you. Thank you. So the idea of at time of your parents' passing to turn the home into a rental property that I guess you would manage for the money right. being a benefit to your brother, mm-hmm. I think that that may be unduly complicating a situation where what I would think would make more sense is to sell the home 
at the time that your parents might pass away. And besides, we don't know, unless your parents are in extreme failing health, they could be with us for decades to come, right? Right. So so that possibility of the home being a potential answer for your brother, it's just too hard to say that right now. So I like the idea better of your parents instructing in their will that if you're to be the executrix, that the home be sold and the proceeds be put into a trust that you manage for the benefit of your brother. Oh, okay. And that way you you have no idea what's going to be going on in your life all the years later. Hopefully your parents are going to live a long, long time. And who knows what circumstances will be at the time they would no longer occupy the house, no longer uh, be on this earth. And so there's more flexibility if you then have money that you then have available to see to the care of your brother. Okay. Yeah, we we did think about that. And, you know, that decision would probably be further down the road. And I guess our our concern is what can we start doing now? We have that as an option that we can do in the future, but, you know... Well, your parents can do do some things right now, uh, potentially for the advantage of your brother. They can Mm -hmm. set up what's known as a um, 529ABLE account, A-B-L-E. This is an account for uh, children or dependents that have special needs of some kind. Okay. And so it's an account that your parents can contribute $14,000 maximum to each year. And the money can then turn around and and grow tax-free for your brother's benefit. And then when the money is spent on his needs and care, then the money is spent, what's in it and all its earnings, tax-free. And these are new accounts, and if your parents have looked at this stuff before, they may not even be aware that this is a new opportunity for people to put money aside for a child who has, uh, you know, can be various types of special needs. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, we didn't know about that. That would would be great. Do you think your parents can afford to put aside that kind of money for your brother each year? No, I no. don't. I don't think they can. Okay. Um, All right. So let's talk about one other possibility. Uh, either your mother, or your father, or either or both of them in good health. Yes, they're in excellent health. So another way that people fund the needs for a child that they're worried about uh, when they're gone is to buy a life insurance policy, where okay. the where the proceeds of that are paid into a trust for the benefit of your brother. Okay. And that is a relatively low-cost way to take care of your brother's needs in the future. And to keep it simple, your parents would, uh, in the insurance policy that they would each buy, they would name you as the trustee, and you would administer the trust because then it's a whole lot cheaper than if you hire a third party like a like a bank 
to handle the mm-hmm. trust for your brother. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, that sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. And if your parents are part of any association for Mm -hmm. autistic children, if they are in any support group, there will be people in there who've done this stuff that we're talking about Mm -hmm. and will be able to be of some help to them, likely. Okay. All righty. Yeah, we have to get more involved with that, but... That's but you good. got a lot going on in your own life, but I'm so proud of you. <laughs> no debt. Yeah. You own your own home at 24. Yes. That's yeah. great. That is wonderful how you're handling your finances. Travis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Travis. Hi, Clark. So you want to build up some money for yourself, and there's something you're intrigued by. What is that? Uh, it's the Acorns app. I seen it on uh, online, and I downloaded it. I've been using it for about two years now, and I just kind of wanted to know how you felt about it. I love Acorns. You do? Yeah. It's a great idea. It's a way of you, in little teeny chunks of money, you start building up investment dollars. And it does it. Explain how it's worked for you over this time to your fellow listener. Instead of me explaining well, it, you explain it. Okay. Um, when I make purchases at the gas station, the store, wherever, it'll round to the nearest dollar, so in change, and then put it put it into, I guess, the stock market. And I don't notice it. It's not like me going and investing the money myself. I just don't even notice it coming out of my account. It's not giant funds. So it's it's like saving without even knowing you're doing it. And the fees for you doing it, I think there are 12 a year, $12 a year. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a dollar a month. Yeah, so it's a, a great opportunity if you feel like there's never any spare money to save and invest for your future. It's a great way for you to get it done. Yeah. Uh, what I was wondering was, is there is there anything better? Or Right now, it says I'm putting about 80 to $100, give or take, each month into it. And I didn't know if I should stop doing that and putting that money into something else. Well, if it's happening automatically and it's painless and you're not noticing it and you're building up nearly $1,000 a year doing it, that's a great start. Okay. So I have no problem with you doing that. If you felt like you've reached a point that you're ready to write a check every month or do an automatic deposit into something, I'd love for you to look at starting your own Roth IRA. Okay, Roth IRA. Yeah, where you work, do you have any kind of retirement plan available to you? Uh, yes, I actually work for the state of Illinois. Um, it's a pension, and then I have a, a deferred... Deferred uh, comp kind of thing? Yeah. So yeah, you can defer some of your salary to go into it? Yes, yes. All right, so I need to ask you a painful question. With the financial problems of the state of Illinois, <laughs> are you, I'm not kidding, I'm... I'm are you relying on the payment ability of the state of Illinois with that deferred comp? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I will be. All right. I would be more comfortable with you taking the money and instead of putting it into deferred comp with the state of Illinois, putting it into your own Roth IRA. Okay. Because you um, can do 5500 into a Roth IRA each year. And that's what I was wondering. Now, 
I've already been investing in the deferred comp for almost six years now. Can I move that money? Don't know. It would depend IRA? on the it would depend on the rules of the plan. But what I would do is, at the very least, I'd stop deferring comp with the state, and the money that you are putting into that put into your own hands, into your own Roth IRA. And I mentioned, I think I've already mentioned this today. Go look at my investment guide at Clark.com. And I'll walk you through how to set up a Roth IRA. It's really easy to do so. And you can contribute to it just like clockwork, just like you're doing with the state deferred comp. But the money will be safer in your own hands. Joel, you got an Ask Clark for us. That's where somebody posts a question at Clark.com. Yeah, Clark Stephen wrote in. He says, this June is going to be a first for my wife and I, my family. My entire family is going to be going on a cruise. All the siblings, spouses, kids, everyone. But we're traveling with a two-year-old. We have never traveled with a toddler via air and sea before, and we're concerned about the logistics. Do we need to lug a car seat everywhere? Uh, Well, I don't know about everywhere, but you do want to take your own car seat, and you want to make sure it'll say on the side if it's FAA approved, because if you're having to buy a seat for your two-year-old, you want them to be able to sit in that seat in that FAA-approved car seat. If it's not FAA-approved, on the side, the airline personnel aren't going to allow it in the passenger cabin, and you won't be able to use it. But when you're going on shore excursions and stuff, you're going to want your own car seat for your kid. They're not going to be frequently available, and you're going to love the kids' club on the ship. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. And it's coming to Podcast One in just a few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears open for Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. ClarkDeals.com is our bargain site. Check it out. Check me out at Clark.com. And there's a change coming, bank by bank, credit union by credit union, in various things that you and I do to try to deal with the rampant identity theft and account takeover fraud. Wells Fargo, yep, the same criminal element bank, they they have implemented a new system that goes nationwide in just days where every ATM they have will be able to access money for you by using your smartphone and not your, what I call, piece of trash, fake Visa or fake MasterCard, your debit card. Debit card security, as I've pointed out in the past, is lame. The debit card technology dates from the 1960s. And so criminals have found it hyper easy to break in to your debit card and have a field day buying things as if they're you 
emptying your checking account. So banks now are trying to leapfrog technology and get ahead of the crooks. The way the new Wells Fargo cards will work is not a card at all. That was just being silly on my part. Your phone becomes the facsimile of your card. And what happens is that getting money out of the ATM will work based on two-factor authentication. You'll have your secret code like you use right now with your card, but also your phone will be issued a one-time use code. So you will be able at the machine to use your phone, input your secret code, input your one-time use code, and then money will pop out. And so this is far, far more secure than the traditional way of popping in your ATM card, punching in your four-digit code, and walking away with money. And you will find that every financial institution in America, if they're smart, is trying to come up with ways to deal with all the debit card fraud. And this is one strategy being employed. And it may not be a crowd pleaser with people having to input one code and then input a second code and on like that. But it is a way to make the system more secure and to keep your account. It will not prevent your account from being compromised, but it will keep a certain number of criminals away and will make the system a little safer. And eventually, the only way really to make the system safe or safer will be with biometrics. But a lot of people are totally freaked out by that. But when I was at CES in January, I went to a booth where the company was marketing a security system based on full biometrics that was able to know who you were and cross-reference that with an eye scan, which is much more secure than other ways that people try to verify identity, like a handprint. And we are moving in that direction where it will go way past you having to memorize a pen, having to memorize passwords and all the rest. But what Wells Fargo is doing and what other banks will be implementing this year is an interim step to try to at least put a fire break in there with all the fraud now occurring. Pino is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pino. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thank you for taking my call and for all that you and your team do for us. Well, thank you very much for that. What's going on with you? Well, I'm wondering if there's such thing as having too much in a 529 plan. I have a 9-year-old and a 5-year-old, and I've been contributing since birth for each of them. And my 9-year-old has gone up by 90% over the years and is up to 125000 My 4-year-old is up by about 20% and is up to about 25000 So I don't know whether to scale back or stop contributing or how to proceed going forward. All right, I'm shallow breathing as we're talking. 
because I have never, that I can recall, had a caller who has stashed that much cash in a 529 account. You said, the amount again you said for your nine-year-old was over 100000 Yeah, it's about 125 Okay, so your nine-year-old is nine, ten years away from freshman year, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And if your child goes to a private school for undergraduate school and you pay the full freight, you can figure for a high-cost private school a, a decade from now, the cost will be somewhere around $80,000 a year. Oh, my gosh. So even though your amount of money you put aside is breathtaking, and shockingly high compared to the cost of a high-cost private college, you're only like a third of the way there for four years. Okay. Because today, by today's tuition, so I'm taking today's dollars, um, a year of college at the expensive schools is around 65000 Okay. So even today, that would be more than a quarter million for the four years. So even though you've saved a remarkable amount of money, I don't know that you should say, whoa, hold on, don't save anymore. And besides, when your nine-year-old finishes school, if you have money left over, you can transfer the benefit to your four-year-old. Should I then decrease the contributions for the one or the other or both? I'm trying to think, consider a lot of factors. I mean, thinking like the, the, the housing bubble, I, I can't imagine that school costs will continue to increase continue, constantly over the years. And, and maybe I'm wrong with that. Well, so far over the years, college costs have escalated way beyond the rate of inflation or economic growth in the United States. And the reason, I believe, is because of how easy it's been for people to get themselves in over their heads with borrowing money for school. That colleges have not had normal market discipline because everything's cost plus for them. Now, if we change how people pay for college and eliminate the current ease with which people can borrow money, You're right. College costs not only may stop climbing like they've been climbing, they could actually moderate or decline. Do you think with this amount, increasing with the market over the years will be enough to carry it and sustain it, or should I keep contributing? Well, you know, you've been contributing during a time of abnormal gains in stock markets, and your money with what you've had returned on it particularly in the nine-year-old cycle with growth, has been because of the enormous run-up in the value of stock markets. So, you know, we're going to have a correction at some point. Could be a full bear market before your child would go to college, either of them, and your four-year-old probably a couple of times. So you can't expect the returns you've had in the past to continue as they've been for the next 10 years. That's a great point. So... As long as you're putting uh, sufficient resources into retirement for yourself. I am, yes. As long as you're doing that, I'm comfortable with you continuing to squirrel away money for college. In in your family, is it likely that either or both of your kids might go into graduate school or professional school? I was the first in my family to go to college. 
And so that is a pass, an expectation that I'm passing on. Um, so I'm hopeful. Because uh, one, or, one or the other of your kids getting a master's degree with you having a college degree yourself is likely, yeah. or some advanced education. So I don't think you're being foolish by putting this money aside. I'd say when you get to the point that you're looking at somewhere around probably 200000 in your older child's account, that would be when I'd say, whoa, i got to stop doing this. Okay, that's a great benchmark. That gives me good perspective. And then remember, if your older one never needs to draw all that money, the four-year-old's the beneficiary of that. Right. So... Uh, and again, people listening to you and me right now, you know they're stunned. You know that, right? About <laughs> how much you've I, saved. And they're thinking, what about me? I've saved 12, de- 12 cents or $12 for my kid. You know, you do what you do. You can afford what you can afford. And remember, the higher priority is always saving for your own retirement instead of your kid's college. Patricia's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Patricia. Hey, Clark. How are you? Good. So this is the Max Saver segment of the Clark Howard Show. Because we just had the gentleman (laughs) saving Max in retirement, saving massive for his kid's college, and you're saving the Max in your 401k. Is that right? Well, that's my question. I wonder if, um, right right now, my company um, has a great 401k. I've got it in the Roth 401k, and they match 2.5%. And so my question is, do I, the max out is 20%. Do I max out the 401k first and then look at opening and putting money in a target retirement fund? You mean in a separate Roth IRA? Yes. You know, you're reinventing the wheel potentially if your employer offers a Roth 401k and you're doing that. If you want to go ahead Uh, and just go all the way up to, you said, 20% of your pay in there? That's correct. Well, you would be heroic if you did that because you're changing your financial future. If you're saving a fifth of your pay plus on top of it, getting an in-part company match, that would be fantastic for you. And unless your employer has a crummy 401k plan, just going all in with them would be fine. You know, every 90 days, your employer has to give you disclosure now in the statement of all that you're paying for the 401k. And as long as they're charging you all in, less than 0.75%, you know, three-quarters of 1% or less, just stick with Mm -hmm. the employer plan and throw everything at it you can, and don't worry about the Roth IRA. Okay. Perfect. I've been wondering about this. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. So these are are great problems to have, (laughs) you know, to be saving, saving, saving. It shows that a lot of our listeners to the Clark Howard Show are different than the national average with uh, most people struggling to save any money at all. And there you are, Patricia, looking to save 20% of what you make. That is a great, great story for which you should be very proud. 
Britt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Britt. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I hope you are. Having a wonderful day. Thank you. You are a generous soul, are you not? I guess. <laughs> it, is a, it is a truck. It looks pretty nice that we are donating, but it does not run. So you have an old vehicle you want to donate. Um, You know, there were a lot of people that were playing games with vehicle donations. So you need to know that when you donate a vehicle, the IRS is not really your friend on that. That's why I called you. I want to know about that. So the IRS generally will treat the value of a donation as a token amount, like $25 value. Something like that. What I have recommended with a vehicle that does not run is that you donate the instead of donating the vehicle, you get you get paid for it through one of those salvage companies where they come and pick up the vehicle and they pay you a few hundred dollars for it, and then you donate the couple hundred dollars to the charity you'd like to, and then there's no doubt that you're eligible for a deduction of the actual amount that you were paid for the truck. Okay, so... So if the truck was running, though, uh-huh. how much would it likely be worth? If the truck was running, I mm, I have no idea. Maybe $1,000. I mean, you know, it's a 95, and it has 175,000 miles on it. So that makes me think about something. What if you were to put it on Craigslist and say it's a 1995 truck, whatever model, the miles, all that, not running, and um, try to sell it for $500? That's a, that's a good idea, but they would, have to, they would have to take it off, you know, with a tow truck or a flatbed. Well, that's okay. If somebody, okay. let's say somebody likes your older vehicle and they know how to repair things and they want a project okay okay that sounds that sounds good my my husband has a a small problem with with that because he thinks it's unsafe because of all the rust on the bottom of the truck because the the truck lived in um new york state most of its life oh so it had a lot of the rusted stuff they put down on the roads during yes, the sir. snow yes mm-hmm. huh. uh, you know salt and brine and yeah and so it's 22 years old if you just want to make it easy you just have somebody come in and pay haul it off and pay you for the scrap value yes sir and and i was trying to get the best tax incentive for myself being a little bit selfish here um and that's know- why that's why not <laughs> donating it and then donating the cash Money. is the yeah. best thing. Okay, okay. Well, I I understand. I think I understand that, that that it's changed because years ago we donated a vehicle and we got a five hundred dollar tax credit for that said vehicle. Yeah, and so see that's the change that took place because there were people that were donating vehicles that were worth uh, maybe a couple hundred dollars, and then taking multi thousand dollar charitable donation on their tax return 
And that's why that got so tightened down because of people who were playing games. Obviously, you were not at $500 playing any games. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm Mick Jarris. When it comes to horror, you might know me as a writer, producer, and director. But I also love making people open up. I'm getting together with the most fascinating people in fright filmmaking. I'm going to pick their brains and find out what they know. But if they've got any secrets they're determined to keep, I have ways of making them talk. Download new episodes of Postmortem with Mick Garris every other Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.